I tell you, we do need to be reminded of those things sometimes. It's, those are sometimes hard thoughts to think and hard conversations to have, but it's, it's good to be reminded now and then. So thank you, Brother Jason, for, um, for bringing that this, this evening. Have you noticed that around Grace Church over the last few weeks and months, things have been really, really awesome? No, I'm serious. I want you, I want you to think about this. Uh, Sunday, pastor preached an amazing message, the value of his presence. Somebody valued his presence because Sister Lori Blunt's niece, Ashlyn, 11, 12 years old, got the Holy Ghost standing right down here. Uh, we, a few, few weeks before that, uh, Brother Jay got the Holy Ghost. We've had several others get the Holy Ghost, Peyton. And then if you think about it, we've had people in the, uh, in, uh, being baptized in Jesus' name. I mean, th- if you just take a minute and look around, there's some amazing things happening at Grace Church. If you ask me, it's happening like it's supposed to. It, the, the Holy Spirit is being poured out like, like we expect it to. And, and God is moving. And, and sometimes revival will slip in and, and catch you by surprise. And you may not realize it's happening until you just stop and think about it. So tonight, I'm, I'm saying that to say I'm still kind of coasting on that amazing service we had Sunday and the outpouring of God's Spirit. I, I just feel like God is doing some amazing things around here. We're seeing people filled with the Holy Ghost, seeing people baptized. God is still changing lives. Amen. Why don't you clap your hands to the Lord and just thank him for what he's doing here on campus. Along with Brother Jason, I will say welcome and those joining us on Facebook Live and live stream, we are so glad that you have joined us. We were talking the other night about just what a what a ministry the live stream and the the live uh, podcasting has has really become for Grace Church. So many join us from all over the state, all over the nation, and really all over the all over the world. People are watching, and we're just so glad that you are a part of our service via the internet. <clears throat> I do want to give honor to. Brother and Sister Murphy, tonight, I appreciate their leadership, and as always, I really appreciate Pastor for giving me the opportunity to, to teach tonight and to speak to you. It's an honor that I take very, very seriously, and I count it uh, among some of my greatest blessings. The other day, well, let me, let me back up and tell you this. Um, I, I got an idea back over the summer. I decided to subscribe to the newspaper for a while. I decided that I'd go old school and subscribe to the newspaper, and it, it's really cool because now... I can check my news feed on the computer or on, the, on, the, uh, on my phone, whatever, and then I can go out and get the newspaper out of the driveway and I can read news that's 24 hours old. So it, it's, it's really cool how that works. It's, it's literally a day late and a dollar short, so it's pretty cool. Um, but I got this idea to, to, re- to get the newspaper and start reading it some, and it's, it's, been, it's been all right. But I, I, what I'm really trying to do, I, I try to teach my kids along the way. I want them to see, you know, kind of what, what technology used to be, right? And um, like to, like, you know, sometimes I'll, I'll see an article and I'll, I'll, I'll say, hey, you need to read this, let's discuss it. I'm just trying to, trying to bring them up a notch and make them better. And so I, one particular day I'd found an article I wanted Dawson to read. And I, I, so I handed him the paper and, and, and I, think this, I think this crowd here tonight knows what a newspaper is. So I think I'm okay. I think I'm okay here tonight. So you know how a, a newspaper is folded horizontally, I'm sorry, vertically and horizontally. So, I mean, you got to know how to kind of get that newspaper out and pop it open. You know, it's a technique. And so I, I gave the newspaper to Dawson and I heard him, I heard him rustling with it and I could hear the paper, and, I, and so I looked over, and I saw him fussing with it, and finally, it, it was kind of in a wad, and finally, he just threw it aside. He said, Dad, I don't know how to work this thing. He said, it doesn't even have an on button, 
and, uh, and, and it just, it just kind of let me know where we're at in society, right? It also let me know just how old I am, too. But I'm saying that to say this. The, the, the newspaper may be dated, and it may be yesterday's news, but, and it may not be relevant to some, but that is not true of the Word of God. And, and, and that's one of the things, you know, it's, it's hard sometimes to weigh out, you know, when we talk about our spiritual disciplines, you know, prayer is important. And, and fasting is important and witnessing is important and all these things. Bible study is important. I don't know which one's more important, but I, I love Bible study. To me, to me, studying the Bible is an untapped frontier. The Bible, uh, the Apostle Paul said, he said, Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and knowledge of God, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. It's, it's an untapped frontier of knowledge of God that we can tap into through the, through the word of God. So, so whether it's a, it, you look at the Bible as a book of history and it tells you about yesterday or the Bible is, is so amazing in some ways, it's like, it's like reading the news today. It is so relevant to this moment. And then in other ways through prophecy, it tells us about tomorrow. And that's what I love about the word of God. The Bible says he, God is the same yesterday, today, and forever. And the same is true for his word. The Bible is relevant today. And we were talking the other night in Bible study, how, how in, in many ways, the Bible is still the most up-to-date book that you can possibly buy because it is the word of God to humanity and it matters in our lives. It matters in our world. And so I'm thankful tonight to be here to get to study the Bible with you. The most relevant book we could study, the most important thing we could talk about to me is the Word of God. And that's what we're going to do here tonight. And so I'm saying all that to say I am thankful and excited to be in Bible study tonight. The Titanic was sinking on that fateful night and a frightened woman had taken her place in one of the lifeboats and was being lowered into that raging, cold, icy Atlantic water. And then suddenly she thought of something that she needed to retrieve from the sinking ship. With death, bringing, uh, with death breathing down her neck, she realized there was something she had forgotten. So she asked permission to return to the ship and uh, she was granted that permission with the understanding that she, if she did not return to the lifeboat in a certain amount of time, that they would go on without her. And so very quickly, uh, she got back onto the ship. That The deck of that ship was already tilting at a very dangerous, very dangerous angle. And she made her way through. And this is what's so interesting. She walked through the gambling room with stacks of cash over on the corner, walked past it. She went to her very ornately decorated and furnished stateroom. She pushed back boxes con containing jewelry. And she reached above her bed and took out three oranges and then ran for the lifeboat. And that night, death had boarded the Titanic. And with one blast of its breath, changed all values and changed all understanding of what was important. In that moment, this woman preferred three small oranges over a crate of diamonds. I want you to know tonight that we're, we're living on the sinking ship of culture. We're living on a sinking ship of culture. It's a, it's a culture that wants us to grasp for diamonds while the deck ascends, or descends rather, into the, the abyss. 
think the question before us tonight, really, uh, I want to talk about biblical values and the biblical definition of success. But the question before us tonight, really, is what do we want to be successful at? Because it's one thing to be successful, but to be successful at the wrong things. It's another thing to be successful and be successful at the right things. So two verses of scripture that I want to share with you. The first is found in Proverbs chapter 9, verse 10. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And we're going to come back to that in just a moment and unpack that. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. And then Proverbs chapter 4, verse 7. Wisdom is the principal thing. Therefore, get wisdom. And listen to this. With all thy getting, get understanding. So get out there. You know, you're getting out there. You're obtaining some things. You may be obtaining status. You may be obtaining money. You may be obtaining uh, things and material wealth. But all of that being said, you better be getting some understanding too. And you better be getting some wisdom about what really matters too. And so tonight we're going to talk about biblical foundations of Success. I talked a few Sundays ago about building our house on the foundation, building our house on a foundation and not on on the foundation of God's word and not on sinking sand. And, and really, that message, I feel like, was more more of the why we should we should do that. Why should we should build on the foundation or the rock of Jesus Christ tonight? I want to focus a little bit more on the how. How do we go about ensuring that we are successful at the right things? How do we go about ensuring that our lives at the end, just like Brother Jason was talking about a moment ago, at the end that we were, that we were successful by biblical standards and by God's standards. One way we can build our house on the rock, one way we can make sure that we're on a firm foundation is to be faithful to the kingdom of God, just, just in our faithfulness. And, and that, can, that can look like being faithful to the to the church when the doors are open. I, I try, we, we try to make it our motto at our house to be faithful every time. If the doors are open, we want to be here is our, is our general rule. We don't always succeed, but that's what we're shooting for. But it also looks like staying connected, connected in a small group or, or connected on a serve team and serving the kingdom of God, serving others. It, it looks like being, to committing to something like that and being faithful to it. But there is another important component to being uh, anchored on, on the foundation of Jesus Christ or foundation of his word. And so tonight we want to talk about that. And the, and the first component of that is to understand that our value system is fundamental to our foundation. The foundation that we build will necessarily be a reflection of what we value. And any kind of success that we achieve will necessarily be a reflection of our value system. Again, I want to say it's one thing to succeed. It's another thing to succeed at the right things and the things that we are really shooting for. For instance, if, if, if a person were to graduate high school, no, let's say, let's say a person were to graduate college and, and earn that diploma, that, that's success. We would call that success, but if you really think about it, it it's only success if that person values education. If, if, if somebody doesn't value education, then getting a diploma might not be success for that person. Um, let, let, me, let me give it to you in this light. Uh, I recently, actually today, heard about a, a writer, you, you probably have heard, you probably read him when you were in school, an author by the name of Sinclair Lewis, wrote a lot, lot of novels, a lot of important novels in the early part of the 20th century. And it, this is so interesting because... Uh, the, 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 um, the Nobel Prize for Literature, the committee, got together 
and they awarded Sinclair Lewis the Nobel Prize for Literature, and he rejected it and said, I don't want it. And they said, well, we're giving it to you anyway. And he said, well, I don't want it. And, and so I, I, don't know what, I don't know how that works when, when you, the person doesn't accept what you're giving them and you're like, well, no, I'm giving it to you anyway. And they went back and forth. But ultimately he said, I don't want it. I'm not accepting that prize. I don't know what his reasons were. But, but the point is, is that for whatever reason, Sinclair Lewis didn't value the Nobel Prize, for, Nobel Prize for Literature, so he didn't want it. So by his measure, by his value system, that wasn't a mark of success. Now, if I got the Nobel Prize for Literature, I'd consider that a success and I'd I'd be happy to brag about it a little bit, but not in his value system. That's not what he valued. So success by that measure did not, did not resonate with him. Uh, a, a more comical or perhaps lighthearted uh, idea and understanding of what we value. The, the other night at the, at the dinner table, uh, Farrah's got this, this dish that she started making, and it's, it's just lima beans. It's just lima beans. I don't know how you feel about lima beans, but she's got this, she's got this great way that she prepares lima beans, and they're, they're really, really delicious. They're really good. And uh, I, it has to do with bacon, I can tell you that. And you know bacon with anything is, is excellent. So, you know, put, put some bacon in some lima beans, and you got to win. So we're sitting there, at the, and that's not all we had. We had, we had other food too, but it wasn't just the lima beans. And we're sitting there and uh, having dinner, talking and all this. And you know, kids have a way, kids have a way of asking you these questions that you're like, what in, where did that even come from? Like in all of my 43 years, I've never even thought of that. And so we're sitting there eating and Dawson says, dad, what is your favorite bean? And, uh, and so, you know, as a dad, you want to have all the answers. You, 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 you want to feel like, you know, you know, your kids know that you know. I mean, everybody should have a favorite bean. And uh, so, so quickly, I'm, I'm going through the catalog of beans in my head. I'm like, what kind of beans are there? There's red beans, white beans. Of course, the, the real answer while I'm eating the lima beans my wife prepared is lima beans, of course. Your mom's lima beans, son. That's, what I, that's my favorite bean. But as, so as I'm going through this in my head, trying to come up with an answer, Elena jumps in and gives her answer. So it looked a little bit like this. Dawson says, Dad, what's your favorite kind of bean? Elena, jelly. <laughs> and so I thought, I wish I had thought of that. What a great answer. <laughs> jelly bean is my favorite bean. But clearly, in Elena's value system, beans, vegetables, those kinds of things, not so much. Candy? Absolutely. Yeah, that's our value system. So, you know, um, it's just all in what, in what you value. So, the, the, but it's important that we clarify our values. What, what is our value system? What do we find that, that, that is, is most important to us? Because we have to get our values right. You know, whether it's the bean or the jelly bean, the bean or the candy, we have to get our values right because in, in God's kingdom, in life, it matters. It matters because our values determine our destiny. Our values determine our destiny. The, and here's the thing. Here's what's, here's what's so difficult about it. The, the reason I'm hoping I'm giving you something to think about tonight and something to go home and pray over because the reason this is so important is because every day we go out into a world, we go out into a culture that is trying to force and press its value system on us. And it's necessarily contrary to the word of God. And, and, and this is done subtly. It's not done, it's not usually done overtly. I think, think oftentimes it's not, it's not done with intentionality, but it's just the world that we live in. It's a value system. We function in a world that has a value system that is completely different 
from the eternal values of the word of God. So you can probably think a lot of examples of that. I'll give you just a quick, a quick one. In my job, uh, I work for an insurance company, and I can, t- I can tell you we are a for-profit company. We exist to make a problem. Now, we will tell you, if you ask us, we'll say we exist to provide, you know, a great customer experience and we want to provide the best insurance product to the consumer. But we exist to make money. That's why we're if we don't make business, we can't exist. And I, my job, my, part of my job is production. And so I have to produce dollars and cents. That's what I'm judged by, by how much money I'm bringing into the company, dollars and cents. And that's all measured and. And, and you live or die by that, and, 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 and I can, if I exceed the goal, then there's, there's some more dollars and cents involved in, in terms of a bonus. But it's all about the dollar, I can tell you. It's all about money. The other part of my life that I invest a lot of, of myself in is the kingdom of God, especially as it's reflected through Grace Church. Grace Church is a non-profit organization. And more importantly than that, um, we are an eternal, we're in the business of eternity around here. And so I go, I go a big part of my life, a big part of my day, I'm working to earn a living and I'm thinking in terms of dollars and cents and, and, and what, what matters to my company, which is making money. And then I turn around and, and shift my mindset and I, 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 have to, I have to think in terms of eternity where dollars and, and, and cents are going to fade away. They're going to rust. They're going to they're gonna move away. Uh, or, or they're going to cease to exist one day and not matter. And what really matters is the eternal. And so I have to hold that intention. I have to hold that in balance. I have to understand that just because the world says one thing is important doesn't mean that's the only way it is. That there is something more important and it's eternity. It's eternal values. So it is needful then. I'm saying that to say it is needful then that as Christians, especially as apostolics, we must live our life by this biblical definition of success and not allow the world to force us into its definition of success. And the values inform that. Values are more important than your talent, more important than your gifting, more important than your intelligence. Values are even more important than hard work because you can have all of those assets, and as I've said before, succeed at the wrong things. Our values determine our goals. Our goals determine our priorities. Our priorities determine our decisions, and our decisions determine our destiny. And that's why it all starts with values. So consider a couple of verses of Scripture with me. Consider a couple of verses. First John chapter 2, verses 16 and 17, the Bible says, for all that is in the world, all that is in the world, The lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the pride of life. It's not of the Father, but it's of the world. And the world passeth away in the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. You see the difference there? The world's passing away. It's temporal. It's temporary. But the will of God, the the kingdom of God abideth forever. So you see those two are at war with one another. Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 through 21, Lay not up for yourselves treasures on the earth, where moth and rust doth corrupt, and where thieves break through and steal. But lay up for yourselves treasures in heaven, where neither moth nor rust doth corrupt, and where thieves do not break through nor steal. For where 
your treasure is, there's your heart also. What, what, what you value is where your heart goes. What, what you value is what your heart goes after. And so, so, so the values that we have determine our view and our idea of success. So in the context of biblical success, biblical success is something that you are. It's not just something you merely attain. So when we talk about attaining success, it's really in biblical terms or God, uh, kingdom of God terms, it's really a misnomer because it's really something you are. And I'm, I'm going to come, I'm going to give you a definition of it here in just a minute um, of, of biblical success. But first, before we get there, let's talk about a little more about culture's view of success. And what's so difficult about this is, is we could stand here and we could say, you know, much of what culture says about success is wrong. And I've already kind of demonstrated that with, with my example. But what makes it tough is so much of the, of the so-called Christian self-help is also misguided when you really look at what the Bible says about our lives. For instance, a lot of the Christian self-help still defines success in terms of money or status or prosperity and these sorts of things. These ideas, money, status, prosperity, having things in and of themselves, they are not bad. They are not wrong. It's, it's, it's okay to have those things. They only become a problem when they begin to dictate our value system. That's when they become a problem if they're dictating to us our value system. So for instance, for instance, um, if, 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 um, if, we, if, if you were scheduled to, to attend church on a particular service, let's say, and the opportunity came up to voluntarily work extra hours to make some extra overtime money and you chose to work the overtime instead of coming to church, that would be an example of, of, of those things dictating to you your value system. You see, and again, I said volunteer, so we all have to work involuntarily a lot of times. But, but when you begin volunteering and saying, I'm going to, I want to make more money. I want a little bit extra on my paycheck so I can just, I'll just, I'll overlook church this night and I'll, I'll catch it up the next time. That's, that's a very subtle creeping in of world value systems teaching you or teaching us rather how to dictate our choices. So that's an idea that gives you an idea of the world's view of success. They say, yeah, you need more in your paycheck. You need, you need to buy more things. You need to do more in the realm of, of, of the temporal and the carnal. But the Bible says, the Bible says a lot about success. It has a lot to say about success. For, for instance, Joshua chapter 1 verse 8. Bible says, then thou shalt make thy way prosperous and then shalt thou have good success. He's talking there about, about plugging into the kingdom of God and, and building our lives on the foundation of the word of God, that, that you will be prosperous and have good success when you do it God's way. Look at Philippians chapter 4 verse 12. This is Paul talking. We would all agree Paul was very successful, but look what he says. I know, I know both how to be abased and I know how to abound. Everywhere and in all things I am instructed both to be full and to be hungry, both how to abound and how to suffer need. 
So he, he was at both ends of the spectrum throughout his life. Sometimes he had plenty, sometimes he had nothing. But, but in all of it together, he considered himself a success. Or we would look at Paul and say, well, yeah, he was a success. But it had nothing to do with how much he had or how little he had. It, had. it had nothing to do with where he was on that continuum. It had to do with how he viewed his relationship with God and what he invested his life in, in the kingdom of God. So we can take that then and, and, and we, can, we can look at this and what Paul was saying, what, what God said in the book of Joshua, and we can understand then that, that, that there's some things that biblical success is not. There are some things that it is not. It is not necessarily wealth. That's not, not necessarily biblical success. It's not, it's not having all of your dreams come true. It's not having a perfect family. It's not having a perfect life. It's not about having everyone around you think that you are the greatest, the most talented, the most attractive, the best at, at, at your job, whatever you do. It's not thinking that you're the most successful person on the block, even though you can go on social media and portray all of those things with, with, with just a few posts. But that's not what biblical success is. So put away the worldly view of success and, and let's look at what biblical success is. So the foundation of biblical success, it's the science, listen to this, it's the science of living blessedly and it's the art of living in God's favor. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to unpack that here. I'm going to unpack that. It's the science of living blessedly and it's the art of living within God's favor. Pastor used a, a, a biblical setting Sunday in his message, the value of his presence, Pastor preached, and he used this setting talking about Moses, and it's such a beautiful, beautiful illustration, and it, and it works well with what we're talking about here tonight, and it gives us, it leads us into our definition, so I'm going to rehearse it for you again tonight. It's found in Exodus chapter 33, verses 15 through 16. Moses said, if your presence go, talking to God, of course, if your presence does not go with me, carry us up not hence. For wherein shall it be known here that I and thy people have found grace in thy sight? Is it not in that thou goest with us? Now, I want you to stop and think about what Moses is saying here. Moses was an extraordinarily talented man. Moses had it together. Moses was an extraordinarily educated man. Egypt was the world empire at the time, and that's where Moses got his education. He was well-schooled. He was well-learned. So he had... He was talented. He had education. Moses also had the dubious honor of working in the wilderness for 40 years, herding sheep. So he was, in in some ways, he was kind of street savvy, if you want to put it that way. He knew how to work with his hands. He knew how to, he knew how to rough it, if you will. So he had that aspect going for him too. He had just accomplished the greatest success of his life. He had just led all of the children of Israel out of Egypt. So he had talent, he had education, he had success. He had everything that a person could want from that aspect. And look at what he prayed in this prayer. He said, God, I don't want to go, just like Pastor preached Sunday, I don't want to go one step if I'm not in your presence. I would say, Moses is saying to God, he would say, I would say that if people look at our history, the history of my life, the history of the Israelites, in a thousand years, I would want them to say that surely God went with them. That's essentially what he's saying. Moses said, I am not going to make one move unless God is right here with me. That's an amazing posture. 
That's an amazing point of view. Because he really could have set, stood back and said, you know, I, I think I got this figured out pretty well. I, I think I've, I've got, I know I've got, you know, I've got the education, I've got the leadership skills. We, we took all that wealth from the Egyptians when we came out. I mean, I, I can do this thing. I got it. That was not how Moses viewed his success. In fact, he said, I can't go another step unless God goes with me. I can't make another move unless the presence of, I'm assured of the presence of God in my life. And so from that then, and this will be on your screen, and if, if you're making notes, if you're typing it in your phone, this is the statement I'd have you type or write. We get a definition of biblical success from this scripture. Being so desperately dependent on the presence of God that your life is shaped by your need for Him. Doesn't matter how much money you have in the bank, doesn't matter how many degrees you have on the wall. Doesn't matter how sure you are of your career path. Being so desperately dependent on the presence of God that your life is shaped by your need for Him. That's success by any measure. That God, I'm not going to take one step. I'm not going to make one decision. I'm not going to make a career decision. If my, if my company wants to transfer me to another state or to another country, I can't make that decision without knowing the presence of God is going with me. If, you know, if, if, if the investors come and want me to invest in a product or want me to back a, a marketing idea or a marketing scheme, God, I can't do that without knowing your presence is going with me. I've got to pray about every decision. I've got to, I've got to know that you've got me by the hand. I've got to know that every day my steps were ordered of the Lord. That's biblical success. The Bible says, trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. But what? In all your ways, acknowledge him, and he will direct your path. That's how to be successful in God's economy and in God's biblical or in the biblical model. I came across a song some time ago. Uh, it came up on my Spotify playlist, and I'd never heard it before. I'd never heard of the group, and um, it's a worship song. It's a, it's, a, it's, a, uh, it's a fabulous song. As I said, I'd never heard it before since I heard it though I've listened to it over and over and over. I, I, I guarantee you I've heard it a hundred times since then because it ministered to me so much. So with no further ado, I'm going to sing it for you now. No, I'm just kidding. Not really. <laughs> Not really. Just, just making sure you're awake and listening. I just got to slip that in there. But I do want to read the lyrics of the chorus to you because it, it describes this statement, being so desperately dependent on the presence of God. It describes that statement so well in lyric form. And it says this, Talking, talking to God. If, if you say it's wrong, then I'll say no. If you say release, I'm letting go. If you're in it with me, then I'll begin. And when you say to jump, I'm diving in. If you say be still, then I'll wait. And if you say to trust, I'll obey. I don't want to follow my own ways. I'm done chasing feelings. Spirit, lead me. And that's the name of the song, Spirit, lead me. And it speaks so well to this point that I don't want to make a move unless I'm sure that God has got my hand and that he's leading me. Let, let's face it. There, there are so many Christians, so many apostolics that are gifted. Just like we, we could put them right in Moses' category. They're dedicated, educated, affluent. And yet their lives are a mess. Their lives are a shambles. They, you could not look at them and say that there is success by any standard. And it's because... They've been successful at the wrong things. It's because they haven't lived by a biblically successful model in their lives. There's, there's a lot of mediocre, 
suburban American Christians in this world. But few, we could say, are truly living biblically successful lives. And it's because this art, this science of living a biblical, biblically successful life is being overlooked. We've settled, guys. We've settled for something so far below what God has for us. But here's the thing, and this is where I'll shift a little bit for the balance of, of our, of our uh, message tonight, our Bible study. Here's the thing. We can train ourselves. There's, there's some things we can do. There's some things we can do to make sure that we're living biblically successful lives, to make sure that we're living out that definition in our, in our lives, that definition of biblical success. And there's, there's really two things that I want to talk about practically for the balance of my time. And they're both found in our text that we read tonight. The fear of the Lord. That's number one, the fear of the Lord. We're going to talk about the fear of the Lord. And, and it, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We're going to talk about acquiring wisdom. Fear of the Lord and acquiring wisdom. So let's begin with the fear of the Lord. If you want to live a biblically successful life, if you want to know that you're not making a move without God in your life, how do you do it? You have, number one, the fear of God. You have the fear of God. That's what the Bible says. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So what is the fear of God? What is the fear of God? Is it, is it being afraid of God? Is it, is it cowering in fear like a, like a scared pup, you know, that's afraid it, its owner's going to kick him or, or hit him or something like this or abuse him in some way? That's not the definition of the fear of God. That's not what is meant by the fear of God. You know, when I was a kid, I, I was, if I'm being honest, I was a little bit afraid of God. Um, there, there was a lot of fire and brimstone preaching that went on back in those days, Brother Ben, isn't that true? There was a lot of fire and brimstone preaching. And this is what scared me the most, is on Sunday night, they'd get cranking on that music, and they'd get cranking on the worship, and sure enough, somebody would start running the aisles, and over here, some good sister would shout her hair down. And I had it in my head that that sooner or later, there was coming a Sunday night when that all started happening, and that's when the rapture was going to take place, that God was going to come in that moment. And so on, I, I dreaded Sunday nights in that regard as a kid. I just, I just knew that tonight's the night. And if, and if God didn't come in that setting, then you, wouldn't you know it, you could set your watch if the, if the Lord didn't come during that time that the preacher would get up and preach about the coming of the Lord. So then I was really doubly scared at that point. And so that it hadn't happened yet, but they're preaching about it. It's going to happen any minute. That's not the fear of the Lord either. The fear of God is simply the recognition, the recognition that God is the designer of life and that any life lived at odds with his absolute will is a life that's going to suffer and hurt. So did, did, did you get that? Like, I mean, if God, in other words, God makes the rules. We, we, we may not like it, but, but we have to know these rules that God made were set in place a long time before we came along. And should the Lord tarry, they're going to be in place for a long time after we leave. We don't get to make up the rules. God does. The, 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 our, our challenge is that we have to abide by the rules. If we don't, if we choose not to, we're in for a life that is full of heartache, hardship, and it, it's not going to end well. That's the fear of God. Let me, let me give it to you with an illustration. The story is told of an, of an evangelist that was traveling in Russia. And he had a Russian guide with him. And the, uh, he did, he, the, this missionary did not know the rules in Russia, of the society. He didn't know the currency of Russia. He certainly didn't know the language of the Russians. 
And so that being said, he would not let this guy get more than about a foot from him at all times. As they were going about the city, this guide would not get more than he would not let the guide get more than a foot from him. He was the shadow. He shadowed this individual. The reason is, is because this missionary feared losing the guide. He didn't know the lay of the land, but the guide did. And he understood that as the distance between him and that guide increased, the greater the chances of his little missionary journey in Russia ending in tragedy. The greater the chances his, his life would not end well there in Russia. But by following the guide, by doing what the guide told him to do, when the guide told him to do it, and following that example, then he had very high chances of navigating that culture and navigating that society and fulfilling his mission that he had come to do. That's what the Bible means when it says we should have the fear of God. It's, it's this attitude that we have towards God that Christians, or rather as Christians, that as we walk through this life, we fear that, that we would be separated from God. We fear that we would be without the guidance or instruction of God. We are afraid to get too far from God because we know that if we're away from Him, it's not going to end well for us. We want His absolute will done in our life. We want to make sure we are aligned with His Word. We want to know that we're hearing His voice. We want to know that any decision we make, our guide, our God is in it. That's the idea, and that's what's behind this idea of the fear of God. David said in Psalm 39, 12, I'm a stranger with thee and a sojourner. We're, we're just like that, just like that missionary. We're, we're strangers in a strange land. We're, 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 we're trying to navigate a, a corrupt culture. We're trying to navigate in a, in a, in a culture that is at odds with what we believe. It doesn't think of the eternal like we do. And we need a guide to take us through. We need someone, we need a God that will lead us through and admit that our life would be nothing without him. So, so that's the fear of the Lord. That's the beginning of wisdom. That's, that's how you build a successful life. And then the second part of that simply is acquiring wisdom. We have to acquire wisdom. The only way we can acquire wisdom is to get into the roadmap, to get into the owner's manual, and that's the Word of God. It's amazing to me that God has left us with a, a, an, an owner's manual to the human race. He's left us with a roadmap how to get from here to there, how to navigate through the culture. He's done it. But yet, so often, we neglect getting into the Word of God. We, we, we neglect reading the Word of God, studying the Word of God, sharing the Word of God, talking about the Word of God, really knowing and handling the Word of God. It, 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 it's, a, it's a practice, it's a discipline that often we Overlook, but yet it's the true roadmap for success. It's the true instruction manual of life. So here's the deal. Here's the deal. When we try to go through life, when we try to go through life without the fear of the Lord, and when we try to go through life without acquiring the wisdom that is found in the Word of God, what, what we're really doing, what we're really doing, at least by, uh, not, maybe not intentionally, but at least by omission or by, by, or by um, passive, we're at least passively 
saying this to God. We're saying that we know better than he does how to live our lives. We know better than he does how to decide, how to make decisions, how to, how to get from A to B and how to navigate this culture. Essentially what we're saying is, is we can do a better job of it than he can. But here's the problem. Here's the problem. God has a way, God has a way of showing us that we desperately need him. And, and, and so my prayer today is, is if you see yourself anywhere in this Bible study tonight, if, if you're needing to gain some wisdom or maybe you need to walk with, a, with, a healthy, with that healthy understanding and fear of, of the Lord, if you see yourselves in there, my, my prayer, and I've prayed this prayer many times, trust me, I have, I have. I've prayed this prayer. God, teach me. God, show me. God, get my attention. But please do it gently. Please have mercy. Because look, I'm telling you, God has a way of waking us up. And God has a way of getting our attention. And, and we would be best to do it in a, in a soft... Lord, sometimes I tell the Lord, can you just give me a soft lesson here? I don't want a hard lesson. I, I need you to take care. And I'm being, but I'm being very serious. A little bit of a chuckle, but I'm being very serious. God has a way of waking us up and getting our attention if we get too far off track. My prayer is, God, let it be done. And let it be done carefully. So God has revealed himself to us in ways we can understand if we will take time to gain that knowledge and have that healthy fear. Here, here's the thing. If, if you don't possess something, if, 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 if you're needing tonight and, and this is resonating with you and you feel like, man, I, I need to live my life in a, in, a, in, a, in a sense that I have the fear of the Lord or, uh, or I need to gain more wisdom out of the word of God. It's a skill that can be developed, this, this idea of, of getting the fear of the Lord or the wisdom of God. Just like anything, it's something that can be obtained and developed, just like any skill. In the Bible, the Bible, the Hebrew, ver- or the Hebrew text uses a word, it's, it's the word chakma, I guess. It's how I would say it, chakma. You see it there on the, on the screen, chakma. And it's the, it just means wisdom, skill, or art. Wisdom, skill, or art. So you see there the blending then, this idea of getting wisdom, also the idea of getting skill, or also the idea of being artful in our approach or having the ability to produce art. And, and it is the word used, this, this great, the idea, the essence of it is great skill, great cunning in that sense. It's used in the book of Exodus when they designed the tabernacle, the artisans that sewed the tabernacle materials together. The Bible says there they did so with great chakma or great skill. In the book of Isaiah, uh, 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 they, they waged a war. And the Bible says they waged war with chakma or great skill, the ability to win and to execute the battle. In Ezekiel, the word is used again in regards to being wealthy, in regards of being able to turn a dime into a dollar, having the skill, the financial skills to do that. And so blending that then, the skill also can also mean wisdom. This is how, this is what the Old Testament is getting at when it talks about getting wisdom. It, it, it's the ability to learn the skill of living or the art of life. The, 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 the ability to learn to play by the rules of the game, which in this case would be God's rules of the game. So how do you do that? Look at 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verse 18. Let no man deceive himself. If any man thinks that he is wise among you in this world, let him become a fool that he may be, become wise. So this, this skill, this wisdom then is born out of a humility, a recognition that we need God and that everything we have in life comes from him who is willing to give us 
his help. God responds to this attitude. When we come to God in humility, when we come to him saying, God, I need wisdom. God, I I need you to guide me, to lead me. I don't want to ever be apart from you. I want to be your shadow every step of the way. God values that humility, that that humble attitude. Um, Consider with me, for example, the uh, Solomon. Solomon, the great, you know, the wisest king, the great king, uh, the most wealthy king that uh, that ever lived. And when when given the choice of what he would what he could have, um, he, God comes to him in a dream and says, Solomon, what, I'll give you anything you want. I, I like your attitude. And 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 basically Solomon says this. He says, God, I, I'm nothing. I'm 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 just a human being. I'm I, I can't do it without you. I need wisdom. I need wisdom, he says, to come from you. And God, the Bible says, was so delighted with that attitude, so delighted with that prayer, that he not only gave Solomon wisdom, he said, I'm going to give you wealth, I'm going to give you peace from your enemies, I'm going to give you prosperity. Every, basically, everything's going to go well with you. Because God values that kind of attitude. When we come to God and say, God, I don't have this figured out. I can't breathe without you. I can't walk without you. I can't move without you. I've got to have you. And so we have to be willing to take on that attitude. Somebody said one time that being smart means you can learn quickly, but being wise means you forget slowly. Being smart means you learn quickly, but being wise means you forget slowly. And I would say that we would want to be wise and learn from the kingdom of God. So, so to, summarize, to summarize these points, and I'm going to put them on the screen for you so you can see them. There's, there's really four or five points that I want you to take home with you tonight. First of all, understand that God does want you to have true success as found in Joshua 1 and 8. Biblical, godly success. We want to learn to live under the blessing and favor of God. That's number two. Number three, we want to walk in fear and reverence of God. Next is to become desperately dependent on the presence of God. And finally, acquire wisdom by studying and devouring the Word of God. These are, these are important points that we have to live our life by if we're going to be success, successful at the right things. We're going to be successful at the right things. I'll conclude with one more illustration. Um, Back to the Nobel Prize. Alfred Nobel, the the one who first came up with this idea of the Nobel Prize, the Nobel Peace Prize, um, he he was given a great gift, really. Um, and, And I'll explain to you what that gift was in a moment. He took over his father's business. His father had a business, very successful this business was making mines and torpedoes for submarines. And they began, he, Alfred and his father, they began to search for their next breakthrough product, which turned out to be dynamite. They made a fortune in dynamite, the destructive force, of course, of dynamite. At dynamite. It made an already wealthy Alfred Nobel fabulously rich. One of Alfred Nobel's brothers passed away. And a French newspaper mistakenly thought it was Alfred and published his obituary instead. And they ran an article uh, in, in the newspaper and called him the Merchant of Death. And that was the great gift that Alfred was given because he got to read his obituary before it was too late. He got kind of a head start. And so he, um, he, was, he was devastated. He was absolutely devastated that this is how he would be remembered. 
that this is how the world saw him and how he would go down in the history books. So distressed by this legacy that he was leaving, he decided to carve a different name for himself. He took 94% of his wealth, and this is 1800s. He had 8.5 million, or 94% of his wealth totaled 8.5 million to be used in awarding prizes for outstanding humanitarian achievements. And with that, Alfred Nobel changed his legacy. He changed his legacy. Now we talk about the Nobel Peace Prize. Everybody's heard of that. Everybody knows what that is. He had the privilege of seeing the end of his life before it came, and he took advantage of it and changed it. Alfred Nobel was busy being successful at the wrong things. He was busy being successful at the wrong things, and he realized that and had the opportunity to change it. Here's the thing. In our lives, in our lives, whether we're making good decisions or whether we're making bad decisions, sometimes those decisions, sometimes the results of those decisions don't manifest themselves right away. Sometimes we don't know today, the decision we made today, the effect that's going to have years from now or even generations from now. And so we can live our life for years looking for acclaim or looking for immediate gratification and it may seem like it's working in the moment. There may not be any signs that you're leading a life that leads to emptiness. But one day, that will become abundantly clear. That is why it's so important for us, that it's so important for us to take stock of our lives and understand very clearly, and only, only we can answer the question, yes or no, are we building on the right foundation? Are we being successful at the right things? Is our value system congruent with where we want to end up at the end of our life? For Alfred Nobel, it wasn't. He had the opportunity to change it. We have an opportunity tonight to change ours, if, if need be, if we find that we need to make a change. We, every one of us today in this place, have an opportunity to change the outcome by investing our lives in God's value system and living our lives on the foundation of biblical success. Why don't you stand with me this evening and uh, let's just take a moment. We got two minutes according to the, the clock that I'm seeing and uh, I, I, we're just, I'm just going to pray. Let's pray together. I'll pray over you and I, I just want you to take a couple of minutes and reflect. Oftentimes we, we hear the word of God. We hear some things that maybe challenge us but we're, we're oftentimes quick to keep moving and going to the next thing. I'd like you to just take a minute and reflect and, 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 and think about your life and, and where you are tonight in these terms. Jesus, we thank you for your word. It's always challenging. It's always next level. It's always causing us to want to be better, to, to, to make sure, Lord, that we're succeeding at the right things. And so tonight, God, I, I want to take stock of my life and I want to make sure that, that I'm being successful at the right things. I want to be sure that I'm living in the fear of God as, as your word defines it. I want to make sure that in all of my getting that I get understanding, I get wisdom. I want to live my life on a biblical model, a biblical success. Lord, when the end comes and it's time to re, for, for people to say things about my life. I want him to say that he lived his life on a biblical success, that by eternal standards, he, he made it. By eternal standards, he, he set out to, he, he achieved what he set out to achieve. God, I've been challenged tonight by your word. Help me to live it. Help me to implement it. Help me to live my life by your value system in Jesus' name. Everybody say in Jesus' name.
Amen. Awesome, awesome. Thank you for being in the house of God. We look forward to seeing you this weekend. Uh, Have a blessed rest of your week. Greet somebody on the way out. God bless you tonight as you're dismissed in Jesus' name.